When I was in seminary, uh, way back in 2008, um, my friend from college had gotten an iPhone, and his parents were saying, you know, well, uh, have you seen Reed's iPhone? It's pretty nice. Like, yeah, I think it is pretty nice. It's like, you, they're like, you should get one. I'm like, I, don't, I can't afford it. They're like, oh, here's some money, go buy one. So I did. And I've been an Apple fan ever since. Uh, at least a fan of their products, maybe not so much their politics. Uh, it's been known, it was known at that time that Steve Jobs, uh, one of the co-founders of Apple, had cancer. Now people were worried what would happen to the company, to Apple, when Steve Jobs passed away, which finally happened in October of 2011. Steve Jobs handpicked his successor, Tim Cook. Now one could argue that Apple has not been as innovative since Jobs passed away, but as a company, Apple has thrived under Tim Cook's leadership. Now Jesus had built up quite the ministry in Israel 2,000 years ago, but so had a lot of other false messiahs. However, we see in the first reading from the Acts that Jesus' succession plan was different thanks to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 5 records that many signs and wonders were done among the people at the hands of the apostles. The twelve apostles carried on the miracles of Jesus. In some ways, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the apostles surpassed Jesus in the miracles department, just as Jesus had predicted. You will see greater signs than these. Acts says that great numbers of men and women were added to the number of believers in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit worked so powerfully through Peter, the head of the apostles, the first pope, that just his shadow falling on a sick person would cure them. Now the members of the Catholic Church are not perfect, but with hindsight of 2,000 years, I think we can say that Jesus' succession plan was a pretty, pretty much a success. But we can't stop. Every hundred years there is almost a completely new generation of souls they need to know the love, forgiveness, and mercy of Jesus Christ. We, the church, are responsible for evangelizing this generation of people. John, the only apostle not to be martyred, had been exiled to Patmos because he proclaimed God's word and gave testimony to Jesus. In John's vision, he sees Jesus, the Son of Man, say to him, Do not be afraid. Jesus was once dead, but now he is risen. Jesus lives forever. Jesus will never leave us. We really do not need to be afraid. In the Gospel from John, Jesus doesn't say, do not be afraid. He says that elsewhere. However, in the evening of that first Easter Sunday, Jesus appears in the midst, even though the doors are locked, and says, peace be with you. Jesus shows them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoice. Their Savior, their best friend, was not dead, but very much alive. Jesus says again, Peace be with you. Then he goes on to say, As the Father sent me, so I send you. Then Jesus breathes on his apostles and gives them the power to forgive sins just as he did. Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, whose sins you retain are retained. It is in this statement that Jesus gives the apostles and their successors, the bishops, and by extension priests, 
the power to forgive sins and the sacrament of reconciliation. Jesus gives the power to forgive or not to forgive sins. First to Peter, the first Pope in Matthew 16, six, chapter 16, verses 16 to 19. But here Jesus extends this power to all of the apostles. It would appear that Thomas is one of those who, when disappointed, retreats from the group. Thomas, after Jesus had been arrested, crucified, and died, gave up on the idea of Jesus being the Messiah. Thus, Thomas is not with the rest of the apostles when Jesus shows up on the evening of that first Easter. After Jesus shows up, the apostles seek out Thomas and tell him that Jesus is very much alive and they have seen him. We have seen the Lord. Thomas's response is, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, put my fingers into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This response has caused Thomas to be given the unfortunate nickname, Doubting Thomas. A week later, they are again behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders, but this time they had convinced Thomas to join them. Jesus appears and again says, Peace be with you. Then Jesus turns to Thomas and says, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas responds with hands. Uh, Thomas responds with, "My Lord and my God." Jesus is ever patient with Thomas. Jesus, through several steps, helps Thomas to recognize who he really was, really is, the Messiah and Savior of all humanity. Jesus is ever patient with us. Have we made Jesus Lord and God of our lives? Just as Jesus was patient for giving with Thomas. Jesus is patient for giving with us. Today we also celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. Saints Pope John Paul II and Saint Faustina are the two great saints of mercy of the 20th century. At the Newman Center here in Mankato, we are blessed to have first-class relics of both saints. Mercy is giving to someone what they don't deserve. When Adam and Eve sinned, they caused disharmony in the world. Disease and other things enter the world because of their sin. In the first reading, God has mercy on those that Peter and the apostles come into contact with. Again, just being in Peter's shadow through the power of Jesus was enough to heal someone. Even though John is exiled to Patmos, he is still writing and lifting up the early Christians. Even though John is in exile, he is allowed to die of old age. More often than not, we do not put God first in our lives. We say we trust him, but our actions say otherwise. We are more like Thomas than we would like to admit. We may say we trust God, but we often have backup plans. Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Let these phrases resound in your hearts this week. Fall on God's infinite mercy. Focus on the depths of your sin. And we do this not to beat ourselves up, but the more we understand the depths and the gravity of our sins, the greater we will understand the infinite mercy of God. As St. Pope John Paul II said, We are not the sum of our weakness and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us. We have received the great gift of mercy won for us by Jesus on the cross. May we desire to share that gift with others. At its root, this is what evangelization is about. 
sharing God's love, forgiveness and mercy with others so that they too can experience the joy God has given us.